Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, I'm Greta Johnson, and this is the Nerdette Book Club. We are somehow in the month of August in the year 2021, and that means our selection this month is Kazuo Ishiguro's Clara and the Sun. Stay tuned for our panel discussion later this month. I am super excited for you to hear it. Today, we're going to do something a little different and bring you some of the best books of 2021 from two of my favorite readers. With us together on Nerdette for the first time, we have Beth Ann Patrick, a book critic who tweets as the book maven. Hello, Beth Ann. Hello, Greta. So delighted to be back. Oh my goodness. Glad to have you. And we also have Book Riot's amazing Liberty Hardy. Liberty, hello. Hello. Thank you for having me back. I'm very excited. I feel like this is just like dream team material. It is. It's true. I asked each of you to show up with um, your top five picks of the year so far. These are all books that have already come out in kind of the first half of 2021. Um, Before we get to the actual titles, I'm curious if there are criteria for what you think makes the best book, which I don't know if that's an obvious question or not, but I'm curious what you think. Bethann, let's start with you. That is a really tough question. In fact, that's my life's work. I think it's Liberty's work too, right? right? Yeah, so, it is. <laughs> um, this what what makes uh, the best, you know, for me. And and again, I know that even though Liberty she reads so much, but even each of us is just one person. And so when mm-hmm. we say the best. I, it's not fair for me to say these are the best. These are the best for me. Those are your yes. best. And so what right. makes the best for me is a book. Number one, I have to keep thinking about it through the year. Mm. It's something that's mm-hmm. staying with me. I'm asking myself questions about it. I'm also, and, and I know Liberty uh, will agree with this. I'm recommending it to almost everyone I know. I'm telling them this is a must you know, it's, so it's a book also that I know will, it may be very specific and very particular, but it has lots and lots of things to say to lots and lots of different people, but it's also Mm -hmm. got to have style and substance, baby. (laughs) So there you go. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Well, and the thing that you said about thinking about it, I mean, I want that to happen even as I'm reading it. Like, I feel like that's one of my metrics for any good piece of content, whether it's a TV series or a book or a podcast or whatever. Like, what I love is when enough seeds are planted that I'll be like, you know, making tea in the morning or something. And my brain's like, oh, I wonder what's happening with those characters, you know? And then it's like, okay, this is good. Like, the hooks are in. I'm excited to keep going with this thing. What do you think, Liberty? Like, what are some of your criteria for bestness, for Liberty's best? You know, Bethany covered a lot of it. You know, I have to keep mm-hmm. thinking about it. Um, you know, would I risk a poorly stocked prison library to murder someone if they interrupt me while I'm reading it? <laughs> um, okay. You know, and okay. also, like, I also, 
I have this, it just comes out of my mouth when I'm reading a book that I love so much. I say like, this book is ruining my life, which sounds like mm. a terrible thing to happen, but it's actually a compliment. I'm like, I cannot stop thinking about this book. Oh, it's giving me all the feels, you know, yep. like, I love a book like that. And I just want to tell everybody about it all the time. Oh, I love it. Okay. So Liberty, let's start with you. What do you got? Uh, I'm going to start with The Rib King because it was my first favorite book of 2021. Uh, I myself and I know you both also read way in advance. And so I read this book almost a year before it came out and had to sit on it and just wait to tell people about it. <laughs> um, it's it's The Rib King by Lady Hubbard. And it takes place in two parts in the early 20th century. The first part is about the infighting and the worries of the African-American staff at the prestigious home of a once affluent white family. Mm. Uh, the staff there are fewer and fewer of them. They keep getting fired. The family doesn't have the money to pay for them, but they're expected to keep up appearances and do all the things that they still do with less and less. And they're also fighting over like who has what new position. And the head of this uh, staff is August Sitwell, who has worked for the Barclay family since he was a young orphan. And he's been moved from Gardner to Butler and uh, he gets moved all around. And uh, the man who just got fired from being the Butler taught Sitwell everything that he knows. And while he's trying to oversee preparations for a dinner for a visitor who might help the Barclays pull themselves out of financial ruin, he also also watches as these three young men who work on the grounds find themselves in multiple dangerous situations involving white supremacists who are terrorizing the town at the same time. Mm -hmm. And then there's theft of intellectual property. And then something horrible happens. We don't know what that is exactly until the second section of the book, which is set 10 years later, Uh, There's been a horrific crime at the home. And now we follow Jenny, one of the former maids, as she attempts to grow her own beauty care business, but keeps finding her dealings overshadowed by her time at the home. She wants to branch out from her hair salon and start selling her homemade skincare cream. uh, But the return of the rib king uh, to town draws her back into the terrible business from a decade before, where she is inadvertently and unwillingly swept in illegal dealings and fighting between gangs. Um, I can't tell you which section I enjoyed more. Like the further I got into the second section, the more I saw the genius of the first section. Hmm. It felt like a little bit Deadwood, a little bit Downton Abbey. Um, it's just an incredibly brilliant layered story. Uh, and as soon as I finished reading it, I read it again, which I guess is another wow. a great, great point to make about, you know, favorite. That is. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to I didn't want to lose the feeling that it gave me because I was like, this book is just punching me in the brain and I want it to keep going on. <laughs> So I'm just going to read it again. It's And I've read it like three times since then. It's so good. It, it is so good. And you know what? I love what Liberty just said about how parts of a novel can connect. Well, any book. I, I don't mean to say just novel. Sure. Because when you get that feeling, then you know. You're like, oh, oh. And it's like a book I talked about with Liberty um, on the Beth Ann show last year, um, uh, the, the Orchard by David Hoppen, which was one of your favorites last year, Liberty, I know. Yes. And that's how, when I got to the end, I was like, oh, now I know. I loved all the lead up, but now I know why the lead up. Mm. And that is, that's always a, a sign to me that I'm reading something that is going to um make it onto the list of contenders. Mm. So what else is on your list of contenders, Bethann? Where do I start? Let me start with Seek You by Kristen Radke, because Mm. this is a book I think is going to fly under a lot of people's radar, even though it's been very well reviewed, it's getting a lot of attention. But the reason it's going to fly under the radar is Seek You is a graphic 
it's not a graphic novel. It's not a comic. It's not a graphic memoir. It's a graphic contemplation. It's more than an essay, Mm -hmm. but it's not an entire, I don't know, um, tract. It's because she's talking about loneliness. And this is why I want to talk about CQ and I'll be, I'll be as brief as possible uh, is, you know, I, I, I saw in one review that someone mentioned, I love Jim Shepard and in his new book, Phase Six, he says something like, he has a character say something like, uh, loneliness is solitude with a dash of self-pity. Hmm. And the reviewer said quite correctly, that's not what Radke is all about, okay? She's looking at loneliness as a phenomenon, as a cultural problem. It's coming out at just the right time after mm-hmm. all this isolation we've all endured. But she has a very muted and restrained palette. She's a very elegant artist. And uh, she uses a lot of different perspectives and techniques in um, creating the panels that make up CQ. And the title, which is S-E-E-K space Mm Y-O-U, comes from CQ, those call letters on... um, uh, ham radio. Oh, cool. you would be like a, a ham radio operator in the middle of the night, like her father was. And, you know, you just send out CQ, anybody there, hmm. you know, the letters. And so I love the elegance of that title coming from something that's so personal to her, but also so tied to her topic. And she really looks at all of the ways that, that loneliness affects us, but also that being alone, loneliness, solitude, those can be very different. And there can be ways to remedy these things. You know, we can bring conversation to elderly shut-ins, for example. She talks about scientific experiments. Not until 2016 did researchers um, actually zero in on the part of the brain that responds to loneliness and community. So there's a lot to talk about. It is a book that will get you thinking for sure. Oh, I love that. What a great recommendation. Um, It kind of makes me think of one that I really loved that came out this year called um, The Secret to Superhuman Strength, the Alison Bechdel graphic novel, which is very different, I think, in terms of subject matter. But I don't know, maybe not, because so much of it is about sort of like the process of seeking meaning in life, you know? Well, you know, I love the Bechdel. I also read that one. And like Seek You, it's more of a an exploration yeah. than any. It's a little bit more of a memoir. There's more of Bechdel in The Secret to Superhuman Strength. Mm-hmm. But she weaves in the the themes of the transcendentalists, yes. um, you know, from New England in the 19th century in the most amazing way with her own upbringing and her own athletic pursuits. So that's a great one. I I would recommend, actually, that would be a a great pair. Yeah. It seems like a cool pairing. Okay. So Liberty, what do you think? What's your, what's your rec? I love this novel so much. It's the five wounds by Kirsten Valdez Quaid. It is this incredible multi-generational tale and in which I mean multi-generational in that it takes place at the same time, but there are five generations of a family in New Mexico from the 80-something-year-old great-uncle to a new baby on the way. Uh, It starts out with a 15-year-old angel who shows up at uh, her father's doorstep. It's actually her grandmother's doorstep. Her father lives with his mother. Uh, She's pregnant. She's 15. She shows up. It's Holy Week. And her father is Amadeo, and he is sort of lazy, and he's not been a great father, and he's not excited to see her, especially because his 
great uncle has given him the most important role during Holy Week. He is going to be Jesus in the procession and he's going to carry the cross. And he kind of gets this idea in his head that this is his chance at personal redemption playing Jesus. But now here's his teenage daughter. She's pregnant. She needs his attention. Nobody knows where his mother is. Like all of a sudden they realize like Yolanda's not there in the house. Where is she? She's somewhere else. And she's just received news that completely changes her world. Uh, we also see Angel and her relationship with her mother. They have this sort of fractured relationship, which is how Angel ended up at her father's house to begin with and how this family sort of hurts and also helps one another. Uh, some of the characters in this book are also featured in uh, the author's collection, Night of the Fiestas. Hmm. You don't need to know that. You don't have to have read it to understand this book at all. But I also recommend picking up that story collection because this was so exciting to get my hands on this because I love that collection hmm. so much. Um, but it's, ugh, if you just want to sink into like a really meaty novel, this is it. Oh, that sounds, I mean, just hearing you make that like, oh, noise is like, okay, great. Yep, <laughs> I'm into it. Okay, Bethan, your turn. I am going to talk about The Other Black Girl by Zakia Dalila Harris. And this one um, starts with a, a, um, a fictional African-American hair care product called Brown Butter. Um, and it is, at first, you think, a send-up of the publishing industry, the literary publishing industry in the United States, which would be fun enough from the perspective of, quote-unquote, the other Black girl, mm. you know, one of only two Black girls in the office. Which and is not an inaccurate portrayal of the publishing industry. It is not. Sadly, it is not an inaccurate portrayal of the publishing industry at all. And uh, then from the, the send up of publishing, it sort of morphs into this, you know, look at um, hair care and ethnic hair care, not just African-American, but Afro-Latinx and um, on and on to all of these concerns that women have um, in the office. And it's about race, but also about feminism. And it, it then turns into something completely different. And I will not spoil it, but you have to absolutely follow it to the very, very end. And as Harris said, when I heard her first heard her speak about the book at a publishing um, event online, she said, some people are going to hate it, you know, and throw the book against a wall. <laughs> I did not. Some people are going to read it and be so angry at the end, but it's going to be a good kind of anger. It's going to be a, let me think about this anger. It is, a, it, it is an incredible book. It is a feat that she pulled off. Um, it has um, a little bit of sci-fi, a little bit of paranormal, a mm -hmm. little bit of magical realism. I don't know how to, it's all fused together and I cannot wait to read her next book. Yeah. Well, and a fun fact about her actually is that her sister is Aisha Harris, who's a host on Pop Culture Happy Hour, which is kind of cool. I did not know that. Yeah. That's yeah. Pretty pretty, some smart ladies for sure. Um, one of my favorite books from this year was The Three Mothers. Did either of you read that one? I did not. No, I meant to, and I haven't gotten to oh. it, so... I want to hear about it, Greta. It's just beautiful. It's by Anna Malika Tubbs. It's nonfiction. And it's about the mothers of Martin Luther King Jr., Malcolm X, and James Baldwin. And it's such a beautiful book. She wrote it sort of um, as she was thinking about becoming a mother herself. And so much of it is about sort of 
placing black motherhood at the forefront in a way that it often isn't. I think especially given how much we know about those three men in the course of civil rights history in the U.S., but how little we know about, you know, I think we often think of them as sort of like this exceptions to society. They were exceptional men who sort of like, despite all of the conditions that they were raised in became the momentous figures of change that they were. But no one brings on, on, you know, mothers have an enormous influence. Exactly. Exactly. And so to trace back those generations and see how powerful and strong and determined each of those mothers were in the choices they made to foster the lives of their children, I just thought was really incredible. It's beautifully wrought. It's, super powerful it ties into a lot of modern day issues also of course and it was just gorgeous i can't recommend it highly enough i think about it a lot actually do you mind if i mention another one that's not even a 2021 book? <laughs> of course not I just go for it. quick very quickly if you read the three mothers you might also be interested in martha s jones's uh vanguard about um how african-american women from the very earliest days of the united mm. states have been leading their own charge towards suffrage and towards yes. um, equality in voting rights and in uh, politics as a whole. Um, it's a very meaningful book and it won the LA Times Book Prize this year. I had the pleasure and privilege of interviewing her for that. So I just wanted to mention it because I think it goes along with the three mothers so well. Yes, absolutely. No, that sounds like a great pairing. Um, what is next on your list, Liberty? Well, speaking of mothers, I'm going to talk about Crying in H Mart mm. by Michelle Zauner next because it involves moms. But um, she is an indie rock star in the band Japanese Breakfast, who I had not heard of before, but mm-hmm. now I hear everywhere all of a sudden. Um, and she writes this memoir about her life uh, growing up as one of the few Asian American kids at her school in Eugene, Oregon. And also spending time in Korea visiting her grandmother and how she kind of felt like she didn't fit in at home and she didn't fit in in Korea uh, and how she and her mother sort of bonded over their love for food. Like they loved eating meals at her grandmother's house. They loved preparing food. And this was sort of born out of an essay she wrote uh, by the same title, uh, thinking about her mother while she was shopping in an H Mart. Uh, Her mother died of cancer when she was 25 and she Mm -hmm. found herself crying in the store uh, and it made her want to reconnect with her roots and, and learn more about her roots and her family and food. Uh, it made me cry right off the bat. Like, I think mm-hmm. it wasn't the first page. It was the second page. She's crying about her mother. And, and but it's also really funny and beautiful. And there are a ton of powerful memoirs that came out this year um, about mothers and relationships. And uh, this one was at the top for me. I've heard really great things about crying in H Mart. I just haven't gotten to it yet, which, you know, I mean, I feel like we all have very long to read lists and we're just going to have even more because in just a minute, more wrecks for you. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Tanwen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Beth Ann, what is next on your list? Oh my gosh. Okay. So uh, I have to um, say, I'll talk about uh, Filthy Animals now mm. by Brandon Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um, 
he's really changed up his writing. He is maturing. He is writing about the same sort of things, but in a different way, a much more fluid way. And these stories were set at a Midwestern university and they involve graduate students and, you know, hangers on of all different kinds, you know, just as any university town has town and gown, et cetera, et cetera. But Filthy Animals is about so many I don't know, I want to call them, I want to say membranes, because it's about physical membrane, Hmm. um, mental membranes, um, romantic membranes, um, that those, the the delicate skins that keep us away from other people, but also bring us so close to Hmm. other people. And what I love about this book is his richness of detail, his willingness to talk about skin and hair and, you know, sucking and fucking and everything. But it's all, I know, I'm sorry, is this a family show? Scandalized. No, I love it. You're good. (laughs) No, but it's never, it's never gratuitous. It's very, very um, uh, well timed and played and he wants- It's human. It's human. And that's the thing. He wants to show you that- queerness really is just the human condition in a way, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and he's trying to show, Hey, even if you think you are this way, you might be this way. Or if you think, Oh, maybe I'm this way, you're actually that way. I mean, in in Brandon's world, you can be anything you want, but Mm. the vulnerability that comes through is remarkable. And then the last thing I'll say about it is I also talked in my review for the LA times about filthy animals that there is a core of violence and Brandon writes about this a lot. He tweets about it a lot. You know, he grew up hunting and killing, you know, he was Mm. very poor. His family was very poor. And so hunting animals for food was extremely important to him. And he writes in filthy animals in a couple of the stories about, you know, carcasses and skinning and stalking and all of these things and not people, animals, but, Um, but but, uh, it's, it is going to be, um, shocking um, to some readers who think, oh, you know, I'm, I'm here to read these heartening, you know, uh, soul warming stories about what it means to come out and what it means to live, you know, a life that's meaningful to you, but to see that he's also writing about the darker sides of human nature. Yeah, right. yeah. That's powerful. And it made it one of the, it, it does make it one of the top books for me. Yeah. I loved that collection. I thought it was great. It's actually on my list too, just because it's, it's outstanding. I mean, I think to everything you say, I love the way you put it about membranes. I think it's speaking of humanity too, right? Like there's a, there's a miasma around that collection that I really loved and I'm really glad it exists. Let's see. Liberty, what would you like to tell us about next? Uh, This one was the most recent addition to my favorites list. Mm. Um, Build Your House Around My Body by Violet Cooper Smith. And so I read it without reading the description. And it's so bananas, first of all, (laughs) that I was like, what did I get myself into? And and, I know you you know, too, because you've you've read it now. Yes. This is one where you emailed me and said it ruined your life. And I was like, okay, okay. And I read it. And I don't know. I mean, it didn't ruin my life. But I will say I am haunted by it. And it was very strange and exquisite and like pretty perfect. So strange. It's, you know, the bones of the story 
is two women go missing decades apart in Vietnam. And one of them is Winnie, who is a Vietnamese American. She takes a job in Vietnam teaching English. And we go through her experiences in the country. Uh, there's also a priest. We see him from when he's young to when he's older. He's performing exorcisms. There's a group of three friends who get into mischief. And then there's jealousy when they get older. Um, there's scenes of war. There's a haunted wood. There's a rubber plant factory um and so ghosts are real in this book like Mm -hmm. you either have to get on board or you're going to get left behind because (laughs) ghosts are real there are hauntings there are so many like sights and sounds and smells and things Mm -hmm. you're not expecting and people Mm -hmm. coughing up objects and snakes and (laughs) people changing their shape i couldn't stop reading it and Mm. the whole time in my head i was going what is happening what Mm -hmm. is happening what Mm -hmm. like the whole time because it's bananas just bananas that's all i have to say really that's my one word review i mean it's a perfect word did you read it too bethann it is fantastic i'm so glad liberty chose it oh i'm so glad i read it yeah it's like kind of exquisitely weird it's perfect and you know another one that's on my list liberty that you recommended to me that i'm so glad i read because i thought it was like I don't know. Di- I, I guess I'll say devastating and delightful because I, don't, I thought it was hilarious, but it's also definitely a little grim is Lights Out in Lincolnwood, yeah, yeah. which is about, as you described it, it's like 500 pages about a power outage in New Jersey, mm-hmm. but it's also about so much more than that. And I don't know. I mean, the like mod- the satire, like the takedown of sort of like affluent white suburban lifestyles especially when things start to get weird i just thought was it was just so much fun to spend time in there it kind of reminded me of leave the world behind though i think they definitely have different vibes but i think just the extent to which people are in the book are like clinging to normalcy as much as absolutely possible when things obviously are super fucked up isn't that what we're doing now yeah Right. Exactly. Yes. And, um, you know, to a certain extent, I would have guessed that, like, maybe that's not content that I would want to spend time with in this current moment. But there's something like just farcical enough about it that I just I just thought it was hilarious. I really enjoyed yeah, it. I hope more people pick up this book because, you know, it, who wants to read 556 pages about a power outage? But it's right. actually it's completely <laughs> worth it. You know, like it, it goes by so fast and it was just so good. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was great. Um, Bethann, what's another pick from you? Okay, um, How the One-Armed Sister Sweeps Her House by Cherry Jones is about Barbados. And um, Jones is, uh, she's been a barrister for years. And this is her first novel. Her She's debuting in her 50s, I believe. Um, and it is one of the most exquisitely calibrated social novels I've ever read. It brings in every aspect of life in Barbados and the good, the bad, and the very, 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 very ugly. And it is about uh, mostly two couples. And one couple is a local criminal. I won't call him a mastermind. He's not, he's not worth worthy of that title, but his very young wife um, has had a baby and they've lost it. I won't give any more details on that. Her dream is to have her own hair braiding operation. And she has this very hard grandmother 
very difficult woman and she doesn't know why she's so difficult. We find out along the way. But meanwhile, over in the British, you know, holiday villas, um, a man who seems to be a sort of nice man who lives with his wife and her two children or his two children, excuse me, uh, has been murdered in a horrible burglary gone wrong. And the wife is just floundering. Um, no one knows what to do. She doesn't know how to handle things. Basically, a lot is going downhill fast and how the one-armed sister sweeps her house. And I will spoil the title for you because I think it's just perfect and it's really not spoiling. It's about a story, a Barbadian, Barbadian story that the grandmother tells um, the young woman, woman who loses the baby you know, how do you think the one-armed sister sweeps her house? And what it means is basically badly with a lot of difficulty. And that's what Jones is trying to say about Barbados, you know, making social change, achieving social justice, helping people who are underserved and underrepresented is accomplished very slowly in Barbados because it's imperial past and present make it sort of one arm. It's almost like one arm is tied behind the country's back, uh, really moving and um, an absolutely, as I said, pitch perfect portrait of a country with a lot of difficulties. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Um, let's see. So I think I went out of turn. I only have one more to recommend and it's great circle, which yes, I feel like that is on my list too. <laughs> okay, perfect. Yeah. I feel like we've said enough. It's great. It was a book club pick. You should obviously read it. That's the one I think I've just like yelled about the most this year. Um, Liberty, what's another favorite of yours? It's the ugly cry by Danielle Henderson. And she talks about, um, growing up, uh, when in the eighties, when kids were latchkey kids and they weren't supervised a lot, she was raised by her grandmother because uh, her mother left her and her younger brother at the house. Um, you know, it's, it's sad. It's beautiful. She does an amazing job, you know, myself being a child of the eighties, you know, like I was like, that was what it was like. And it was bananas that we were like eight years old and left alone in the house, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and and it really just gave me all those feelings, you know, which is another reason why I loved it so much, you know, because books are personal to, to individual people, you know, and, um, it's just, but she's such an incredible writer. Um, I cannot wait. I would love to see some fiction from her too. I just, I cannot Mm, wait. I hear it's funny. It is funny. She is very, very funny. She started, oh my goodness, I'm going to forget. She started like the Ryan Gosling, like girl. Yes. Feminist Ryan Gosling. Yep. Yes. There we go. Um, Because she's hilarious. It is truly one of the greatest memoirs of the year. And I hope that everyone picks it up. Uh, You know, it sounds sad, but don't let that stop you. It's incredible. I loved it so much. Liberty, Bethann, thank you both so much for sharing some of your favorite books of the year with me. It is just so much fun to be back. Bye! All right, that's it for today. Sorry, not sorry to have added so many more titles to your to-read list, but come on, it's called Nerdette Book Club for a reason. As you know, August book club pick is Clara and the Sun. We would love to hear what you think of it. Just record yourself on your little smarty phone and then email the file over to nerdettepodcast at gmail.com. This episode was produced by me, Isabel Carter, and Hannah Edgar. Our executive producer is Brendan Banizak. We will see you on Friday. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen 
as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.